This is Amber Barnes of Conscious Capitalism Northern Nevada, and you're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry is the wealth protection diva and CEO of Sage International Inc., a leading provider of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies. Celebrating 24 years in business, Sage International is proud of the consistent role they play in supporting the economic engine driving this country, small business, the backbone of America. And now, here's Sherry. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Sherry Hill Show. Picking up on the conversation that I had last week with my guest, Rocket Tom Terramina, who spent 14 years at Mission Control in Houston, and Brad Haddock, who is 30 years in aerospace industry as engineer and manager and help facilitate at least 21 missions on the International Space Station. So thank you guys for coming back. We talked about last week that, you know, kids have been watching, you know, astrophysicists and they're getting excited about deep space. And yet, what do they do with that information? How can they convert that into a passion to go, I want to be part of, you know, really discovering what's going on in outer space. So when we come back, we have this absolute gem in our community called the Challenger Center for Space Science Education. We have one here in Nevada and I want Tom and Brad to talk about what's going on there and why we here can do something about fostering that inspiration in young people. We'll be right back. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 23 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. All right, and we're back talking with Tom Terramina and Brad Haddock. And I want to first talk about the Challenger Center for Space Science Education. So, Tom, tell us what that is. When we had the tragic disaster with the Challenger spacecraft where it exploded, the families of the astronauts that were on board created the Challenger Learning Center Foundation. And uh, it's probably one of the most enlightened moves that has been done. And, of course, it's private sector. What they've done is they've said, how can we take the knowledge, the theme of that mission was teaching, and how can we perpetuate that and, and build on the legacy of those poor folks that perished in that accident? So they came up with a model called the Challenger Learning Center. And what it is, is a simulated mission control room, a simulated space vehicle that takes you to Mars or wherever you want to go. And when you get there, you get out into a laboratory environment where there's experiments all around the room. And the Challenger Learning Center of Northern Nevada is one of 43 such centers. And we were just very fortunate that uh, a couple, Paul and Jenny McFarlane, uh, got bitten by the bug and went through the absolute rigor of trying to get it set up here in Northern Nevada. Its original home was at Sparks High School, and they put literally thousands and thousands of K through 12 youngsters through the program. And what's different about it compared to traditional education is they got to pick who was going to be the flight controller, 
who is going to be the mission specialist, who is going to work these experiments. And they were accountable to one another. So youngsters who sat across the table from each other in school were actually symbiotically working with them and maybe 10 or 12 other youngsters. And then the genius of the Challenger Learning Center model is that they would throw in emergency conditions. Your oxygen in the booth is expiring, it's filling with CO2, go get your mask. And at the end of the day, the K through 12 mostly come away with, I didn't know I could be in charge of my own destiny. I didn't know I could work with that fellow over there who I don't really like a whole lot, but boy, when we worked together, it clicked, it clicked, it clicked. That is the genesis of the Challenger Learning Center program. And so now, Brad, it's located at the National Automobile Museum. Talk about this room, this space. I mean, when you walk in, what is it I experience? It's patterned after a combination of mission control and the, the mission en engineering rooms, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and NASA. And then, obviously, the remote base that we would have laboratory environments and that sort of thing in. It's really inviting for kids and parents my wife and I sat down in one of the simulators and had to run it and everything. And I'm, and I'm thinking, God, if one of these things w had existed when my kids were little, they would have really benefited by, by seeing it. Of course, I took them to Lockheed Martin and we got in the high bays and they were able to see all the equipment and, and stuff that we launched for space station. But this is open to everybody. This is, this is an opportunity for all kids to and, and parents to bring their kids to check out and get some experience on what it is to fly a mission. I think the imperatives that Tom was talking about just a minute ago get transferred during these missions and the imperatives are the same ones that we use in the aerospace business in order to make a successful mission. And those are, those are things like accountability, accountability to one another, accountability to the mission, communication. You know, that kid over there that I necessarily don't like, well, I. You know, in order to be successful, I have to communicate with him. Uh, teamwork is kind of the same thing. And the commitment to the mission. What is the mission? It's those special imperatives that we all drag around with us every day in the aerospace business. It's critical because, you know, the jobs of the future require critical thinking, data analysis. I mean, this provides a lot of that kind of basic training in these missions. Absolutely. And the other model that it puts forth is, what are we going to do with the, the seeds we've planted with these young people? We left Sparks High School a year ago, and the National Automobile Museum, Jackie and her staff, just took us in and said, this, this is just a great place for us. It started with the transition of lunar vehicles versus terrestrial vehicles, but uh, the, and I'm going to ask your audience to help out because the the, the actual Challenger Learning Center program has been stopped for a while because of funding and retooling the auto museum to, have, to, to allow this thing to exist. So grants, donations, uh, Challenger Learning Center of Northern Nevada, look it up. It's a 501c3. Oh, absolutely. And of course, if anyone's never been to the Nevada uh, Automobile Museum and you have an opportunity to look at the Challenger Learning Center, really encouraging these classrooms. So kids, any school teacher out there that has a classroom of kids that wants to do something fun and unique for a field trip, it's ideal. And, and the fact that we have been embraced so much at the Automobile Museum 
uh, as I said, Jackie and her staff just see the vision of that, that they have encouraged us and we just, ju just dedicated the Nevada Space Center. So to amplify on what's going on with this, the Challenger Learning Center program, we now have three different exhibit areas at the National Automobile Museum that are up and running, simulators. We had the dedication on June 3rd. Rod Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry's son, the inventor of Star Trek, was our guest. We, we dedicated the Roddenberry Center uh, within the museum. And so the reason I'm making the connection is because just as I mentioned last week, with CEOs that go to a Tony Robbins session and then come back and nothing has changed, the Nevada Space Center now, we are going to start evolving the continuing, what do we do next with these bright minds that just got exposed to something? And, and as Brad said, you sit in those simulators that we have now. We had press day a couple of, several weeks ago, and I thought, you know, it was supposed to be like an hour event. We couldn't get them out of the simulators. <laughs> so companies can go there for team building exercise. I mean, it's not just for kids, like you said, Brad, parents, business owners, entrepreneurs, anyone that wants to really do something fun and different for a team building, collaboration, how do we work more effectively together? And literally you put these people into life or death situations and it's amazing how creative and problem solving uh, your team can be. Well, my pseudo title is Director of Enterprise Missions. And we did run our first company through there uh, last summer. And it was such an overwhelming success. Uh, I did a debriefing with the company afterwards and, and they said, they all had different answers. Well, we learned to work as a team. Well, we learned to work solving problems. And again, we need to grab that seed and develop it, germinate it, and get it to be the force that drives our businesses to greatness. The circle is so clear to me that you have the vision, you have the mission, you have the leadership, and then from there, everybody gets caught up in it. Yeah, but Tom, you're unique because you think uh, outside the globe. Yes, I right? do. <laughs> yeah, he's unique, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. <laughs> so the, the Nevada Space Center is part of the Nevada Challenger Learning Center. That's, That's what you're saying? It's the same, same uh, board of directors and advisors. Uh, Brad and I are on the advisory boards, but it, it was an evolution. I, we, once we moved into the museum and there was such enthusiasm for what we were doing, I mean, the greatest part of the exhibit is my Apollo artifacts, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, again, with the enthusiasm we got from the museum people, uh, we've got the simulators, we've got spacesuits, we've got the uh, mock-up rover that Virginia City High School built for their competition, and it's just growing. The enthusiasm leads to enthusiasm. I brought Brad in, and guess what? Brad's on the advisory board now. The difference in the Nevada Space Center is we are actively looking for other members of the space program who are in the region, and we're gonna highlight our contribution to the space program. I mean, unless you've lived here a long time, you didn't know that the rockets were developed just up the road at Rocketdyne. And, and as you brought up earlier, Elon Musk has a battery factory here, but it's also pushing the state of the art in, in what they're doing. And we want to we want to find, we want to get out of hiding like he was and get the rest of these people to put their piece in the museum and to have regular programs of here's here's what we did. 
Brad and I went through it the other day. Yeah, we had an incident on uh, Space Station a number of years ago where the solar arrays are made to retract and then re-extend so we can get them out of the way for certain things. And we retracted one, then we extended it. And as we extended it, it tore. And we had to set about figuring out a solution at Mission Control to fix it and then write the procedures to send astronaut Scott Parazinski and Dan Wheelock running the remote arm to send Scott way out, farther than any astronaut has ever been, out to put these little adaptations of stuff that we found on space station to fix the solar array. And it was wildly successful. And it's such a great story, but nobody knows that that ever happened. And there are other stories like that. And, and I, I think the plan going forward is to bring that excitement to the Nevada Space Center Challenger Learning Center in the form of little presentations that people can see and understand how the solutions were arrived at. Well, and, how, and the people that were involved yeah. in, in creating those solutions. We have to go to break. We come back. I want to talk to Tom to find out, can we actually talk to people in outer space? Are there extraterrestrials? I mean, these guys are out there all the time. When we come back, we're going to find out. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening combined. Attention all residents of Northern Nevada. This is a high heat alert. Temperatures will be in the high 90s and 100s for an extended period of time. Call SunTech Solar Screening to block the sun and heat from your windows. Now back to our commercial. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech solar screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening. And we're back. Thank you for tuning in to the Sherry Hill Show. I have special guests today, Rocket Tom Terramina and Brad Haddock, who have spent many years in mission control or the aerospace industry really helping people foster and be passionate about what's going on in outer space. But of course, still as human beings, we're constantly wondering, is there life out there? You are a ham radio operator, so I know that if anyone can tap into uh, an extraterrestrial, it's probably you, Tom, <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't already. But he found me. <laughs> he found, found, I found you. Brad, he found yeah. you, Brad. And we seem to hang out a lot together. What does that tell you? That's the big mystery out there. And, and so what are we discovering? It's a, it's a great question. We have organizations such as SETI. They're doing it on a grand, global, organized scale, looking for signals to come from, from other places. HAMS have been around for 100 plus years, and we are advancing building the state of the art from the little crystal radio set that I built when I was 11 to a massive HAM radio station that we have now. We are fostering the exploration of how do we communicate 
uh, both terrestrially and extraterrestrially. As a matter of fact, in July at the uh, Nevada Space Museum, we have a, an entire day-long program called Talking to Space. There's two parts of it. One of them is, as hams, how do we communicate further and further with, and, and it, we, our motto is, when all else fails, we can communicate. We can take a, a wire, hang it in the tree, and talk 300 miles when everything else is gone. So that's, that's our heritage. Being licensed, that's part of the things that we commit to do. But the, the second part, like we bounce signals off the moon, and we do that not just to bounce signals off the moon, but it's creating the technology to be able to hear further and further away. The moon is not a, is not a reflector, so the signals are teeny, teeny, tiny signals, and we're developing technology so that the, the space exploration and looking for the ETs is becoming easier well, and but, easier. But I imagine there must be sound, I would think. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the, you know, whether there's a rarefied atmosphere. Or oh, okay. you know, if, it's a, if it's in the vacuum of space, there, there isn't much atmosphere in order for the sound waves to propagate. But because of the nature of impacts, radio waves can be generated. They're kind of random, but they can uh, generate disturbances that we can hear via RF or radio frequencies. Mm -hmm. So we have to separate that stuff out. And it's like it, Tom and I were uh, discussing the other day the, uh, uh, where we started really getting a handle on this stuff was a, a couple of guys, Pensington and, and Wilkerson, and the, the background radiation experimentation that they were doing. You know how you turn your radio on and it's not on a station and you hear all that hash out there? Well, a lot of that hash is coming from just the background noise from the universe. And the idea of SETI is to take that background noise and listen very, very carefully for any intelligence within that noise and being, be able to pull it out. And as, as ham radio enthusiasts, we strive to be able to hear. I mean, that's, that's the, you know, being able to pull signals, you know, that are going around the world out of the, out of the trash and understand, you know, understand what's going on. That's how we initiate contacts on ham radio. We're doing the same thing with SETI. We're listening to that background noise and trying to pull intelligent signals out of it. Well, what if we get one? I mean, what, what's gonna happen? Oh my what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> what do we do now, boss? <laughs> I'm, I'm not exactly sure, and, and perhaps the space theorists believe that this has all, of course, happened already, and we have not only uh, alien beings at Area 51, but we have we have regular communication with some well, of these. Well, why folks. would they hide it? I mean, that that's my thing. What what you know, Roswell, New Mexico, and Area 51, and what is it they think that we can't handle? You just asked the question. How would your 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 child react to it? How would my great granddaughter react to it? It's an information overload. But to bring it back into the context of reality and why we're doing all of this. It actually is an inverse pyramid because the hams were the ones that invented communication and we continue to invent it. So the Nevada Space Center, we're in the planning stages of having a permanent terrestrial ham radio station there so that the youngsters can understand how signals propagate around the world. But we're also gonna put in a satellite and a space tracking station the hams currently have 20 orbiting satellites that are in orbit. 
and plus the space station. Plus yeah, the space station. hams on space station. The, many, many of the astronauts on the space stations are hams, so they have what's called ARIS, amateur radio in, in the space station, and the schools can apply for a time period to be able to for the kids to directly talk to the astronauts. So, at the Nevada Space Center, we will we are going to have ARIS missions where they will be able to see the astronauts and we hope to have hundreds of children there and adults and some of them will actually get to, to speak with the astronauts. Then again we set up this enthusiasm about it and we can put them on the ham satellites. We, as long as one of us is a control operator, they can actually talk through satellites to other people the world. around the universe. How so, nice. So at the Space Center and the Challenger Learning Center, which are all combined there, you guys are starting to create these events. So if anybody's interested, I mean, what website should they go to to find out? Just Google Challenger Learning Center of Northern Nevada. It'll take you to the website, which is continually evolving. There's new stuff on there every day. The enthusiasm of the founders and the board of directors, automobile museum people. It's absolutely fascinating. When I said earlier, it is a gem in our community. I mean, there's only 43 in the world, and we haven't have one of them. And so it's something that we need to support. It's something we need to participate. And certainly, it's not, you know, like you got to twist my arm to go have fun. It's really going to be awesome for young people, especially if your kid is going, gee, what's going on in outer space? Get them to the Challenger Learning Center so they can have real answers. And maybe that sparks that enthusiasm or that excitement. Get them into STEM. Get them into STEM education. You know, I, I, if you can get a child interested in science, technology, engineering, and math classes that give them that foundation and motivate them, you know, with the reasons that they can be motivated with in the Challenger Learning Center. I mean, every one of them is a is a jewel. You well, know, and we and with drone forward. technology yep. completely expanding and. Just all the things that you can see where everybody wants to be flying. I mean, that's what we're doing. These are missions out in space, and, and if you want to be an astronaut. It seems more likely that I could be an astronaut today than I could have 50 Absol years ago, absolutely. right? You'd have to be a, an old guy that drank a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so no, now, I mean, I mean what, a, what an awesome thing. All right, well, is there any final thoughts or words you want to say? I want to invite everyone to the National Automobile Museum uh, at their earliest convenience, not just to see the, the amazing car collection that Mr. Hara endowed us with, but we, the space exhibits are growing almost daily. Uh, if you have a youngster who has any interest in becoming something, we provide the environment to say, Anything you want is possible. And Brad and I are teaming up to, to say, okay, once you've identified this interest, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to channel it? We're going to help him get your ham radio license so that you can be even more challenged. Uh, or, no, I want to be a doctor. I like this idea of doing medical research in space. I don't have to be an astronaut. I can be a mission specialist. And so I just encourage everyone to, to visit us. Take a look at the website for the events, you know, because those are the things that are, you know, that are going to stimulate people to come in and have a look. Whether I'm doing a space station presentation or whether we're uh, tracking an amateur satellite at a particular, at a particular time and are able to 
uh, have discussions, you know, from one side of the United States to the other side of the United States via a ham satellite. All those events are going to provide a lot of stimulation for, for kids to get involved in STEM education, uh, for them to get involved in, in ham radio. If I'll, t I'll tell you right now, if I were, if I were teaching a physics class uh, in high school, I would love to have a whole classroom full of young hams because ham radio requires and creates that that inquisitiveness about uh, about engineering and math and and the way signals propagate through space. Absolutely. So. Well, I actually am going up in August. I'm going to be sitting up in Yashats, Oregon which is the entry of the solar eclipse into the United States. So I will be there with my solar binoculars watching the eclipse. But not looking at the sun. But not looking at the sun. Well, no, I can with those. And I, I, one of my clients I talked to, he happens to be in Clemson, South Carolina, which is where it kind of ends. So we're both at the same time going to be sitting on opposite sides of the United States watching the solar eclipse. See if you were ham radio operators, you, you could be, be talking, talking to one yeah, another. It's, you know, it's all fascinating and we are absolutely intrigued by what is in outer space. What a great opportunity to get young people stimulated and excited. And if you're like me, you see this is the wave of the future. I mean, these young people that want great jobs, it's going to still be in aerospace. It's going to be in NASA. It's going to be in all these cool places. So with that, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to thank my guest, Brad Haddock and Rocket Tom Terramina. So anyone wants to learn more about you, Tom, they can go to rockettom.com. Rockettom.com. All right, same lunar channel next week, same time. <laughs>